Yeah, this is a story of famous dog. For the dog that chases its tail, we'll be busy. These are clapping dogs, rhythmic dogs, harmonic dogs. All right, all right. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Beyond the Game here with Keezy in the building. Say what's up to the people, Keezy. What's up to the people? Man, he's always on time. <laughs> uh, today on WLXU 93.9 FM, Beyond the Game, we have a very special guest in the building. We have a Mr. Jared Van Meter in the building. Introduce yourself, sir. I'm Jared. I'm glad to be here. Thank you all for having me. This I'm uh, from here, from Lexington, and... Uh, very, very grateful y'all had me on. All right, it's no problem. So before we get into it, man, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself, man? Yeah, so like I said, I'm from here in Lexington. I went to Sayre in downtown and grew up playing Bryan Station and Henry Clay and, and all that in basketball. And we, I went to a small school, never had a chance to really do much in the regional or the state tournament, but regardless of that, that's I wouldn't change our state tournament format for anything, and that was at the root of this more, uh, most recent project. But before that, I went to school at the University of Vermont and kind of worked all over with different writing jobs, do, um, working for newspapers and doing some writing for magazines and whatnot, and actually moved back here after seven years away to do this most recent project called How Sweet It Is, and uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Get get re um, reimmersing myself in basketball culture here in Kentucky, which, as you guys know, is is pretty avid. So uh, what you're saying is you can ball a little bit. Uh, no, I wouldn't say that. <laughs> I would say I, I stand in the corner and I hoist the occasional three. But uh, that I'm, works. Yeah, I'm a serviceable practice player. We'll we'll call it that. Okay, so what you're saying is you got a jumper. I'll, I'll yeah, I'll relent to that. <laughs> there you go. Jumper's there. Okay, all right. Well, let, let's get in, into this book a little bit. Um, what made you want to write this book? So as I as I kind of alluded to before. My high school, we never had really had a chance to make much of a run. This past year, actually, Coach Rob Goodman had some success there, and they made a deep run in the regional tournament. But while I was there, we were sort of the doormat of our district with Scott County, and I was there when Shelvin Mack was at Bryan Station, and they just power programs in our district. We never made it to regional, but even when people said that, or when people asked how what that was like, I still say I wouldn't have changed our state championship format here in Kentucky, where, of course, we still only crown one state champion uh, I wouldn't change that for anything we're Kentucky along with Delaware the only two states left doing that and I think that's just the greatest thing so that was at the core of this kind of a celebration of that it per perfectly coincided with the hundredth anniversary of the sweet 16 coming up so uh, that just happened to be a, a bonus but I had grown up reading these season with the team books like Friday Night Lights um, you know our boys different books like that and i love those i love the behind the scenes details that's the stuff that really captures me because if you want to just see basketball you just go to a basketball game mm -hmm. but what makes these things fascinating is hearing about the individuals involved because they're not just basketball players they only play basketball probably tops two or three hours a day and then they go home and they have other interests they have other things going on in their lives sometimes good sometimes not good so that was at the core of it I wanted to choose three teams from three very different parts of this state uh, and really dig in there as far as what was going on behind the scenes at these three programs the way I went about choosing the three teams was I wanted uh, very different programs from each other so uh, this state, as you guys know, is very geographically and culturally diverse. That um, 
that leads to different programs being run different ways. And all three of these programs which I chose, the three ended up being Covington Catholic, Taylor County, and Clay County. And those three, they all have very strong ba basketball teams and they all had a chance to, many thought they had a chance to win this entire state championship the year that I followed them, but they also happened to be very different from each other. Yeah, this book, um, as I was reading through it, uh, as a couple of reasons why I really like the book, um, we'll get into that as the show progresses. One of them is, like you mentioned, the Clay County. Uh, for those listeners out there, I have Clay County ties. My father is from Clay County, Kentucky. And growing up on in the summer times and on the weekends, my dad would, well, during the summer times, mostly my mom would ship me off down there <laughs> because she was like, I'm not paying for no babysitter. You gonna go down, <laughs> ain't nobody doing nothing down there. I'm gonna send you on down there. But needless to say, man, I as a kid growing up, it's like the best thing because you just have so much room to do do whatever. There's, there's, it's just countless things to do down there as a kid. And then as you get older, it's a little different you know it's not too much to get into but on the weekends my dad you know he would drive me down there let me stay out night for the weekend and we come on back home so that that when i saw that clay county was going to be a part of this book it, it really resonated with me i was like man I, I like this and another reason is we'll get into that a little bit later on but um you had talked about you know the process of narrowing the schools down and uh during the process of elimination was there a school that you wish you could have had on the list but you had to leave them out for whatever reason so being from Lexington, the obviously, well, I the truth of the matter is I originally was going to do four teams, mm -hmm. and I, I had cut it down to uh, a list of twelve that I wanted to narrow down to four eventually, um, and then. Ultimately, I did the math in my head of how much driving I would realistically be doing, how much time I wanted to spend at each program getting to know the kids, etc. And four was just going to be too much. Three was borderline anyway. Uh, I was able to make it work and it actually worked well, but four would have been overdoing it. And I luckily realized that before I set off to do it. Uh, if you look at the back cover of the book, there's a map of where the three teams I chose are located. And Lexington, where I live, happens to be perfectly in the middle of almost an equilateral, <clears throat> excuse me, an equilateral triangle of the three. So that made it easier for me to get to all three if I needed to, uh, and still get home and sleep in my own bed yeah. almost every night. So that was a that was very nice. I was really interested in doing Hopkinsville in Christian County or somewhere. Yep. Yeah, oh yeah, way <laughs> out there in the western part of the state. But I ultimately couldn't choose them for the simple fact that it was just too far of a drive. I couldn't. I wouldn't be able to get there. And if I needed to get to one of the other schools within the same day, because there there were times where I needed to get to two games in one day, and was. I would drive from the mountains in eastern Kentucky out to Taylor County. I did that a couple of times. Or drive up to Cincinnati for a Covcath game. And if Hoptown was one of my teams, I wouldn't have been able to do that. So uh, I interviewed, I went out there and interviewed uh, Coach Hayworth, Coach Frankie Smith, who at the time was the Christian County coach. And those two teams are juggernauts out there. But I just couldn't do that because of the, how much distance that was for for driving and I I already put 12,000 miles on my car just with these three teams so I, I don't even want to know what it would have been with those but uh, the three I ended up with were pretty perfect and I, I could tell pretty early on that I was onto something special just in what they each offered Clay County the history uh, and the fact that they're even on that particular roster 
there was just so many, so much history and so many bloodlines, like with Richie Farmer's son being the, the, the star of the team that year. With Taylor County, they had one of the highest rated prospects we've seen in this state in a while with Quentin Gooden. And, that, and they also had two other Division I caliber players and David Sloan and Dylan Gaines. And it was just too much talent uh, to pass up. And they also happened to be in, in Campbellsville. And then Covcath, they've got the best uh, cheering section in the state, maybe in the nation. Plenty of talent there with CJ Frederick was a starter as a sophomore and he recently committed to Iowa. They have a guy named um, uh, a center who's over seven feet tall and he's been offered by Xavier and lots of D1 schools. Just just tons of talent. So they all three were, were pretty perfect. Yeah, um, I was going to ask you about that. Like, I, I wasn't quite sure what kind of vehicle you drove, but I, in my head when I was reading this, I was like, man, he's got to have like a Honda Civic or something, <laughs> man. So, something that's great on gas mileage because he is really racking up the mileage going back and forth to all of these schools, man. How, how hard was it throughout this process to not want to give up? Because like you alluded to, you had to go from Covington Catholic, which is close to Cincinnati, and maybe drive all the way to Manchester, which is in eastern lower uh, Kentucky, which is what, about two, maybe three hour drive. Mm -hmm. So were there points to where you was just like, I, I don't know if I should continue with this book? <laughs> what Doing three teams was kind of a, a blessing and a curse. Um, Doing three teams kept it interesting for me every day because I was going to see a different group of kids, a different practice every day, and they were all three so different that it kept things spicy for me as I was going along. They were all so unique, and I had to, uh, I didn't settle into a routine with one team or one coach or one style, etc. So it kept things interesting for me. However, that also having three teams instead of one meant that I could not miss any time because I was already only getting a third of the time with each team. So if even if there was only a 10, five or 10 minute uh, team meeting going on or something after school, I would drive the hour and a half to get there just because I was only there a third of the week as opposed to if you did a whole, a whole season with one team, you're there every day and can afford to miss more time. But uh, developing relationships with these kids and these coaches, that's how you get them to trust you. And the way you do that is by being there as much as possible. So I was constantly, I, I knew I couldn't miss a day. Uh, I, I think I only missed one day of action the whole uh, season, and that was due to being sick. And I, as I mentioned to you, that's when Brian Station happened to be playing Taylor County. But uh, it was it was just all about being there as much as possible, even if it, for no matter how small the the thing, uh, just having your face there, being there, so that they grow to uh, be comfortable with having you around, and eventually start to trust you and open up to you. So, I'm gonna play devil's advocate for a minute. <laughs> I know we have, you know, one tournament, one champion. What about for those schools that are smaller and they're never gonna make it to to Rupp Arena to play for the championship? Why can't what what makes this format better than doing a Class A and a Two A and a Three A and a Four A and you know having one tournament at Western Kentucky University, having one at EKU, and kind of splitting it up? Well, I would say that the key word of what you just said is never, because it, it does happen. It's very rare and very infrequent, but it does happen. And that's the reason we've been able to maintain it, because every so often a little school will come along and win. Uh, Clay County in 87, Edmondson County in 1976, uh, Shelby Valley won a couple years ago. Uh, it happens just frequently enough to where, you know, it, it 
it shows that it is possible and that keeps the people who are pushing for multiple class systems uh, kind of at arm's length and uh, when when they do win the small schools obviously it's the Lexington Bowling Green Louisville schools who win more often than not however when they do when the smaller schools do win they become legends because they overcame the entire state if you go to Clay County they, they won one state championship in 1987 but that that accomplishment is front and center in almost everything the town does. There's murals on the gas stations that yeah. have are commemorated to it. The team, the current team, their entrance music to the gym when they run out isn't rap music. It's not uh, some pump up song. It's the radio call of the 1987 state championship game. <laughs> so it, it's very much a important and there's photos of the team all over the gym, etc. cetera. Uh, and you know, at, Two, two, one of, as I mentioned, uh, Trey Farmer was the star of the team the year that I followed him, and his father, Richie, uh, led them to that 1987 state championship. And the fact that they, Clay County beat a big, one of those big city schools in uh, Louisville Ballard and Allen Houston, it just made it so storybook that uh, when it does happen, it's just something that the communities can sort of be proud of for uh, decades to come. But isn't it kind of like the Cinderella story in the, in the NCAA tournament? You know, they might win a game or two, but, you know, you know eventually they're going to meet somebody and then it's going to be over. I would rather, personally, you know, I don't know how everybody else feels, but I'd rather be in, like, you know, my own class. We're, we're in class 3A, and I know I got a chance to, to win class 3A every year. I don't want to go into the season at the very beginning saying, you know, we might win the district, and that's probably about as far as we're going to go, you know. Right. It's, uh, for a lot of these schools – getting to winning the regional is almost like winning the state championship because getting to rub uh you know some of these small schools from maybe the first region out west or the uh 13th 14th 15th up in the mountains when they win that regional that's that's a big deal they have parades in town i i remember taylor county who was expected to win their regional that year uh even but they it was tough for them. They had a tough season this year that I was following them, and that, but they were able to win the regional. And I remember when we were pulling back into Campbellsville from Bardstown, uh, being met on the road by a bunch of police cars and being escorted mm-hmm. into town. <laughs> and they had pep rallies all week. And and these this is one of the top teams in the state, so even right. for them it was a big deal. And I think that uh, I can see what you're saying, but for a lot of teams, it's sort of set up that even if you just win the the regional, that's sort of like a s- yeah. Winning small winning the region and getting the Rupp Arena is that's that's the goal mm-hmm. um, for a lot of teams. Because I know you know growing up, you know you got everybody wants to go play in Rupp. Yeah. We got to win the region, you know. But then a lot of people don't have any expectations after that. We just want to get there, you know. And I, th- I think if you split up into classes, not only will you have that chance of actually getting there, but then you actually have that chance of actually winning. Right. New Jersey, um, they do that, but then they have afterwards they have a thing called the Tournament of Champions. That's that's yeah. what that's what I kind of like to see. Mm-hmm. You know, you take you take those the champions from those classes and put them into into a tournament together, and then you have one right. overall. I big like champion. that too. Yeah, yeah, I like that idea too. Yeah. I don't know why we haven't went to that platform just yet. You know. Yeah. I think that'd be great. But WLXU 93.9 FM, Beyond the Game, we got to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we'll have more with Mr. Jarrett Van Meter.
Furniture and Electronics Rabbit has a wide selection of dining rooms, dressers, beds and center tables, home decorations, pots, pans, and all home utensils, tools of all types, microwaves, blenders, silver jewelry, and perfumes, all types of video games for Xbox, Wii, PS4, PS3, and Nintendo DS. Our doors are open Tuesday to Sunday, 12 p.m. to 8 p.m. We are closed Sunday and Monday. Furniture and Electronics Rabbit is located at 1814 Oxford Circle in Lexington. For more information, you can call 859-948-3882. Thank you, Furniture and Electronics Rabbit, for supporting True Community Radio. All right, we're back with more with Mr. Van Meter on Beyond the Game on WLXU 93.9 FM. We're talking about his book that he came out, How Sweet It Is, uh, pretty much telling the stories of three different high schools, Covington Catholic, Taylor County, and Clay County. And uh, for the listeners who just tuned in, he's in here explaining the process of why he wrote the book and everything. And I explained about Clay County. And as a part in there, I want to talk. Actually, there's two parts in the book that kind of make me chuckle a little bit. One of them is uh, the pets part. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, for those of you who haven't been to Pat down in Manchester, it's a staple. They have some great food down there. I'm partial to the hot ham and cheese sandwich. Mm. I get that and a bag of Grippos and a Pepsi. No matter, every, every time I go down there, that's what I'm getting down there at Pets. And when you, I had seen you start to write about Pets, it, it brought me back. Like, man, I, I remember going to Pets because we used to have a family reunion down there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would go down to Pets. Everybody at the reunion would go down to Pets. And, oh, man, it was just a, a live festive event. And there's another part in there where you talk about the strong country accents of Clay County and the country accents of Taylor County. And you said that uh, they pronounced the word, because <clears throat> I got a country accent, so I'm going to say it proper real quick. <laughs> tired. Okay? That's the proper tired. You're not tired. In Clay County, it's tired. Tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired. But in Taylor County, I'm going to see if I can get this right. I'm tired. Is, it, is, it, is that correct? Is oh, that yeah. Yep, you nailed it. <laughs> and as soon as you said that, I was like, man, I started thinking of my cousins and my aunts and uncles down in Manchester and how when I'm down there, Sometimes I can't even understand what they're saying because it, it's so thick. Oh, so thick. No disrespect to my Manchester people, but it sounds like they talking with a mouthful of slobber sometimes because it's, it's just hard to understand them, man. You ever been down that way, Keezy? No. You might want to take go, go down. There. I don't think I need to go. Go down there, man. Go go down there, man. It's it's a nice community, man. People are lovely down there. Everybody welcomes you with open arms down there. It's a very very tight knit community. But speaking more about the book, um, explain to me the different dynamics and the personalities of three coaches. That was like I said. That was a, one of the key points of how how I chose the three schools. Um, they were all three coaches were as different as the programs that they ran. Uh, I'll start with Clay County because you were just talking about him. Coach Robert Markham has one of the one of those strong accents you were just mentioning. He's the nicest guy, might be the nicest guy I've ever met anywhere. He's mm. just so kind, so warm-hearted, uh, just the gracious. Always made me feel welcome. Uh, he's he played at Clay County in the early '90s. It was a three-year starter. Went to uh, played on two teams that went to the Final Four of the Sweet 16. Uh, went on to play for Alice Lloyd, was the all-time leading scorer at Alice Lloyd. An incredible shooter, just and a Clay County legend. He scored over a thousand points at Clay County. Uh, very accomplished basketball player. He was interesting because he actually worked full-time at the prison down in Clay County. 
and that was his full-time job uh, and he coached the basketball team sort of whenever he in his free time but he was also it, that down there it sounds weird to say that because coaching Clay County basketball is like a full-time job also so he basically had two full-time jobs he'd finish up at the prison every day and come over to practice or come over for games he used all of his sick time and vacation time for the entire year to uh, go to away games and tournaments with the team etc and help coach the team so he uh, that was a very unique situation because he wasn't uh, uh, besides that he didn't teach at the school or anything like that but a very nice guy um, he actually played alongside Mark Smith who was the father of Blake Smith and Blake Smith was another one of the stars on the Clay County team that year uh, they were three-year starters together. Like I said, they went to two state final fours. Uh, were number one team, ranked team in the state for a while. So he had a really close relationship with Blake Smith's father, and it, that was just a perfect example of kind of Clay County. Everyone knows everyone. Mm -hmm. Everyone usually played together or was re related to someone, etc. cetera. Uh, very family. It felt like a family down there just because there were so many ties within the team, etc. And uh, Coach Markham actually, after that year that I followed them, he it was no longer the coach. That was his last year. Mm. Uh, it was kind of a murky situation. I don't fully still understand what, what all happened down there, but I think it was something about a contract. But So now he's back working full-time in the prison. Uh, very nice guy. He's got a wonderful family. A very nice wife named Renee and two, two daughters, one of whom I think just graduated from Clay County. But uh, Next is Taylor County. Richard Gatewood. Oh, boy. He is... <laughs> Uh, he's something. He uh, he was close to my age. He was about he was 30 slash 31 the whole year that I was following them. By far the youngest of the three coaches. Uh, a guy who came from Louisville originally. He's from Louisville. Started coaching in Louisville before he got the Taylor County job. And he's kind of controversial to a lot of people. Mm -hmm. He uh, he had David Sloan come down with him from Louisville. Became the legal guardian to David Sloan, who was one of the highest-ranked prospects in the state. There was a lot of people who had raised eyebrows as far as that situation. Uh, David lived with Coach Gatewood and his wife, and so on and so forth. Um, Coach Gatewood, he likes to stay in the news and in the media, so he's big on social media. He, um, he, was, all, he was in headlines a lot, uh, but he, he's just a... He, he knows how to make his program relevant and bring it to the forefront of attention. Uh, and he took K Taylor County from just sort of being a middle of the pack fifth region team to being the premier team in the fifth region. And he did that within three years. He took them to their first ever back-to-back -back, uh, Sweet 16 appearances. They had been before, but they had never been back-to-back -back, even back when Clem Haskins was there. So Coach Gatewood uh, quickly established, or built that program into a, a force down there in the fifth region. He had Quentin Gooden, uh, uh, Dylan Gaines, etc. But uh, the main thing about Coach Gatewood is the kids love him. He's, you know, p parents of opposing teams, opposing coaches, etc. They may feel one way about him. But the most important thing, in my opinion, is that all the kids that play for him love him. He goes to bat for them as far as getting them getting the attention of colleges for them. He he does everything he can for them and they all just really enjoy being around him. Uh, if you go, I went to his house several times and there I would go into the house at the same time as him because maybe we were going from the gym or something back to his house 
and we'd get in there and there would already be several kids from the team just hanging out on the couch watching TV. Uh, and that just says a lot, about, a lot about him and his family and how he kind of opened up his doors to his players. Um, he actually also left after that season to take a job at a, one of those prep schools down in South Carolina, I think 22 Feet Academy it's called. But uh, he's, he's kind of a, I think of him as a rising star, because like, like I said, uh, every player he's ever coached has all great things to say about him. Uh, and the third was Covington Catholic coach Scott Rusatz, who at the end of my book, I said, and I have no problem saying this, uh, if I have a kid who takes a liking to basketball and wants to play high school basketball, I want him to play for Coach Rusatz. He's an incredible coach. He, he was kind of groomed by Bob Hurley up at St. Anthony's in New Jersey, probably the best uh, high school basketball program in the entire country, and then came to Covington Catholic and quickly, within three years of getting there, won them their first state championship in basketball, which is incredible. That's a, that's a very accomplished athletic program up there, but they had never won a state basketball championship, and he did it in only his third year on the job. The very next year took them right back to the state final four, and they very easily could have won the state championship again that, that year, but uh, they got beat in the semifinals. And he's pretty, he's pretty hard-nosed. He's kind of a throwback coach as far as his style. He learned a lot from Bob Hurley and has a lot of uh, similarities to how he coaches with uh, Bob Hurley. So of the three, he was probably the, the toughest, but he really knows how to get the most out of his players. And like I said, I was very impressed by everything that he did. He really left an impression on me. And he gets these kids, a, a lot of his uh, players, you know, they won't go on to play college basketball, but he still gets them to, gets the very most out of them. And every single year he's ranked in the top five of the state for the entire season. So he's very consistent and he really knows basketball. I was very impressed by him. Um, you had brought up a, a name. Uh, I think his name was David Sloan for Taylor County. Mm -hmm. um, you said he came from Louisville, correct? correct. Uh, it was, I guess, controversy about the whole him living with Coach Gatewood, correct? Right. Um, I was reading in there and uh, I want you to explain to me what you thought the transition went for him because his one of his assistant coaches, Coach Gate uh, Goodwin, mm -hmm. Quentin Goodwin's dad, said that it was probably hard for him because he went from seeing a lot of black people to now just maybe seeing one or two and seeing a whole lot of white people. Mm -hmm. What do you think? What do you? What did you see as far as his transition of trying to fit in from going from Louisville to Taylor County? So by the time I got to know him, he was already in his third year at Taylor County. He came in as a Freshman, uh, he went to Louisville Moore, that, or, and played for Coach when Coach Gatewood was at Louisville Moore. Uh, David played up as a middle schooler, and that's how they struck up a relationship. Uh, and then he came down to Campbellsville as a freshman. And from everyone I talked to, he was really quiet the year that I, that I, that I was there, his junior year. He was still really quiet. But everyone that I talked to said that he was miles ahead socially of where he was when he came in as a freshman, just of how much he was willing to open up and, and talk. They said as a freshman, you could barely get two words out of him. And as a junior, he like I said, he was still quiet. Uh, but he, I mean, he, he would talk and laugh and he had, he had a lot of friends uh, at the school by that point a lot of him and Quentin Gooden were very close they sort of were going through the recruiting pro uh, process at the same time uh, Quentin was a year older so he was helping David through some of the stuff and just telling him what to do etc and uh, he 
Taylor Taylor County and Campbellsville, that's just a different place than Louisville. Uh, I you know, Louisville's the big city, uh, much more diverse, and I think when he came down there, it was just kind of culture shock at first. Campbellsville, it's kind of a slow country lifestyle, and it took some adjusting to, but he said when I, when I was talking to him, you know, I, I sort of bridged that adjustment by just playing a lot of basketball, going to the gym, getting up a lot of shots, and I think he sort of saw it as a, uh, a basketball opportunity as well as an opportunity to uh, better his education and uh, there was a lot of academic opportunities as well so I think I think and he ended up also actually it seems like all these people left after the year I was there but he <laughs> transferred also um, after his junior year at Taylor County the year I was there so uh, but he like I said he he seemed to from everyone that I talked to who had seen him from fresh freshman year to junior year they all said that he grew a whole lot and that he was uh, you know he he seemed to be much more comfortable as a junior than he had been as a freshman I got one more question for you so we talked about this a few weeks ago on the show <clears throat> with another guest um, you followed basketball and stuff like that here in the state why don't you think that the state of Kentucky gets more high level basketball recruits and stuff like that do you think it's athleticism is it size is it what do you what do you think the the issue is that kind of holds it back seems like a lot of them leave before the before they get to their senior year Eli Young the guy out in Owensboro a couple of years ago who was hot shot uh, they had several guys out in Owensboro actually who all left before their senior year Braxton Beverly down in the mountains at Perry Central who's now heading to uh, North Carolina State he he was originally committed to Miami of Ohio went to Hargrave for a couple of years and now he's going to NC State so I think people see that happening and they think that like oh Braxton got bigger offers when he went to prep school so they see that and a lot of them think that that's what they have to do in order to get the exposure that they need in order to go so I think a lot of them think that they have to leave before mm -hmm. it's time for them to really shine as recruits but as you see with as you can see with like Quentin Gooden and some of the others in this state CJ up at Covington Catholic uh, if you're if you're good enough they'll come and I, I I think it's a shame that so many are leaving I understand you have to do what's best for you uh, in order to for, and for your future but I wish more of them would stay here and because I remember like you said that there was there were years where University of Kentucky coaches would go and they'd get two or three guys in each recruiting class from this state. Mm -hmm. And now uh, it's like once every five years or so that we get a, a local kid on scholarship here at UK. So, but I, I think that it, you said it best when you said that uh, the numbers are kind of down as far as Division One recruits. But I think that as they start to see more and more kids like Quentin and uh, you know some of these kids that are staying home and still receiving the same amount of attention, getting the same level of offers, uh, we'll, we'll hopefully see more kids start to do that. Yeah, because, you know, because I'm, I'm, I'm Kentucky through and through, you know, so I like to see, you know, the state the state get the, I, the North Carolina fan in here. He can, you know, <laughs> all he wants to, you know. But it's, it's Kentucky for me from the from the bottom to the, to the top, you know. I like to see everybody from the state do well and come to U.K. and play and beat North Carolina and, you know, all those kind of people. <laughs> I did work out this previous season. Yeah. I mean, I, but you know what? One I for would, two. Yeah, I was going to say, y'all did beat North Carolina. We 50-50. I yeah. will give y'all a slow clap for that. Y'all did. Y'all did beat U.K. You, you talk about, you know, I, I know you kind of touched on it last week, but you talk about going from, you know, excitement to just bottom. Uh-huh. 
I started folding clothes when we got down by a certain by a certain <laughs> amount. Then I was just like, I'm gonna turn the TV back on, and I jumped up and down. I almost hit my head on the ceiling fan and everything like that. And then all of a sudden, I just fell out on the floor and almost died. I think we we was group texting while that. Well, we, I don't I don't think I was talking to anybody. Yeah, I, I don't think uh, we was group texting during that game. Uh, and if memory serves me correct. I don't think y'all heard from me for like the final five minutes of the game. Yeah, because you was nervous. Nah, I, I had something to do. Yeah, I, we know. <laughs> I, I had something to do. So man. let me tell y'all about Q real quick. So <laughs> in the group chat, if if Carolina is winning or Tampa Bay is winning, Q doesn't say a word. <laughs> but if UK's up, you know, we cheating or, you know, the refs ain't doing this or whatever. But if his team is winning, he is dead silent until that final buzzer goes off. And then he hits you with everything he's been holding in <laughs> for two hours. How did you become a Tampa Bay fan? Um, Well, actually, I grew up, uh, my best friend, Chad Givens, is a big Florida State fan. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I really didn't have a, a huge college uh, team like that. And so I just kind of like, every time he watched Florida State, I would watch Florida State winning. And there was a cat owner named Warwick Dunn. Oh, yeah. And I used to love watching him play. And so I just fell in love with Warwick Dunn, and then he got drafted by Tampa Bay. So from there on, I just became a fan of Tampa Bay. And then from there, they got Warren Sapp. And then, you know, uh, dang, I name slip of mine. Hard Knocks this John year. John Lynch, and they had yeah, all John, these dudes on Rondé the team. Barber, mm-hmm. uh, man, and, and I just became a big fan. And like you said, they're on the Hard Knocks this year. And I, I've just been a fan ever since, man. And people say that all the time. Like, how did I'm proud of you sticking with your team, though, throughout yeah. the years. You know what I'm saying? Because they've been it, it, garbage and garbage and garbage and garbage and garbage. And they, you know, they won a Super Bowl and they've been garbage and garbage and garbage and garbage and garbage and garbage and garbage. I'm about to cut your mic off. I'm about to cut your mic off. Look, look. It took a while, but the thing is, we just wanted to give everybody else a chance in the NFL to win. That's all there was. We made a statement. We won in the in 2002. So we won in this millennium. Um, them whack Packers, I, I, they lucked up and won one as well this year. As a matter of fact, if memory serves me correct, in the early 2000s, I'm, I'm sorry, Jared, man, we went totally off track, man. But good. didn't we used to beat up on the Packers and Brett Favre back in the day? Look, man, that's when Brett Favre was 40, man. You got to let that stuff go, man. You Brett Favre always been 40. You can't look back on the past. You know, all we can do is look forward to the future. You know what I'm saying? And the future looks bright for Tampa Bay. If, if it look it look good for the Packers for the next few years, too. How? Because we got the best quarterback in the league. I'll that's give, how. I'll give you all that and what else? That's all we need for right now. Randall. So, okay, I'll give you Randall Cobb. I'll give you that. So, um, he's just going to throw the Randall We need Cobb. a running back, though. <laughs> if we had a running back, we'd be good. Y'all had a lot of stuff y'all be Nah, we just need to run it back and we got to get a few things done on defense. But, I mean. It sounds like a whole lot of lot of Nah, 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 nah. All, the offense is straight. Is it? Clearly. Is it? Clearly. The offense is straight. We I, just need a little a little help on D here and there. It looks like I need you a know, lot of help You know, we got Ha Ha Clinton Dix back there. I don't know what he's doing half the time. It, Nick Saban was on TV this morning talking about how he graduates all his players from Alabama. But the Ha Ha Clinton Dix are like he can't tie his shoes and all that stuff at the same time. But anyway, you I, know. I, I think Green Bay has an excellent defense. Do they still it? have Eddie Lacy? Uh, no. no he, he signed with the Seattle Seahawks. How did I miss that? Wow. Mm. Yeah, he got um, uh, a weight problem. He can't wait to eat. Right. Yep. So, oh, yeah. so, uh, can't wait to eat. Can't wait to get on this bus and eat some snacks. I can't wait till this game is over so I can eat some more snacks. You know they put him up uh, in his contract. They put a weight clause in there. Oh, he, his contract is broken because ain't no way he gonna stay under <laughs> no, that. No, I, I see. He he actually made his weight that he was supposed to. It's like fifty thousand dollars if he maintains yeah, his now, weight. That is the key. Now will he maintain it? If somebody told me they give me fifty thousand to maintain my weight, I'm working out constantly. Come on, man. What are you talking? About? I ain't answering no phone calls. I ain't give doing that. Give me fifty that. stacks to maintain a weight. I'm good. I'm just kind. Of, speaking of that, Jared, do you have an NFL team or anything like that? Colts. 
Coke. Oh yeah. Any reason why? Man. Uh, <laughs> it's it, well, it started with Peyton. I've got a lot of family up there in Indianapolis, and I would usually go up there for Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I'd go to a couple games every year. Started there. Loved Peyton, and then we're, we're one of those rare teams that we. It, ever since I've followed them, with the rare exception of that Curtis Painter year, uh, in between Manning and Luck, we've we've had a. A stable guy at the quarterback for as long as I can remember, and that—that's something. That's a luxury. That's something you can't take for granted. I've—I um, feel lucky about that. How you feel about Andrew Luck? I love him. Yeah. He, I, I, if he can stay healthy, man, I think he'll be all right. There's a lot. The problems are with the line. Uh, they, I was hoping they would get a receiver or two in the first or second round this year to help him out, but of course they went defense, defense, um, and so I—I I don't know. It's it. It's up to the front office, I feel like, to get someone to help him out. But I, I love him as a player. Uh, he, he does it all. He's, he's as sturdy as they come, too. He takes hits. And yeah. Lord knows he gets a lot of them with that porous offensive line. I, I thought, you know, their offensive line is the equivalent to the defense of the Packers, in my opinion. You know? Oh, come on, man. <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying, everybody can't have a well put together team like Tampa Bay does this year. Man, <laughs> like you know? Tampa Bay Like does. Tampa Bay does this year. It's they like, make the playoffs last year? Like you said, we're not talking about Did the Did they fans. make the playoffs last year? I don't. I didn't what about watch, the year before that? I didn't watch football last they year. They make the playoffs year before that? I just watched the When's the last time they made the playoffs? We're going to go to a quick commercial break here on WLXU 93.9 Beyond the Game. But before we do that, we're going to play a nice little tune right here to slow it down on this Friday. This is Anthony Hamilton. The this point is for my baby. That's why you wanted this song. Yeah, it's for, it's for my woman, man. Oh, you know, I miss her and everything like that. I love her. You know, this is a, this is our jam right here. So ain't that sweet? Well, this is that to Keezy's baby right here on Beyond the Game. I can't stay away from you too long. Even if I do, I'll always call Checking on you, make sure you're okay Be the one to brighten up your day Yeah, yeah And the point of it all I love My days seem long whenever we're apart It's like someone has stolen away my heart You're a major part of my life And no matter what the storm may bring I'm fine with you and the point of it all I love you and the reason for it all I love you
Lexington Community Radio's programming is powered by West Six Brewery, serving Kentucky-crafted micro-brewed beer in a historic 100-plus-year-old former bakery called The Bread Box, located at 501 West Six Street in Lexington. West Six has over 15 different original beers on tap, including the West Six IPA, West Six Amber, Lemongrass Wheat, and Pay It Forward Cocoa Porter. West Six canned beers can be purchased all over the Commonwealth and in the tap room. Flavors change daily and feature weekly firkin and barrel-aged short-run beers. For the kids, local kombucha and soda is always on tap too. You can also visit West Six's new downtown tap room, the West Six Green Room, located at 109 West Main Street. For more information, visit www.westsix.com. Think local, drink local. Lexington Community Radio thanks West Six for supporting True Community Radio. Supermercado Aguas Calientes grocery stores offer domestic and imported quality products with an ample selection of fresh produce and meats. Aguas Calientes offers international money transfer services as well as domestic and international phone services. Supermercado Aguas Calientes number two is located at 459 New Circle Road in Lexington, Kentucky. Supermercado Aguas Calientes number five is located at 2220 Nicholasville Road in Lexington. For more information, you can call 8 859-275-2121. Lexington Community Radio thanks Supermercado Aguas Calientes for supporting True Community Radio. All right, we're back on WLXU 93.9 Beyond the Game. Uh, Keezy just wanted to send a little special shout out to his lady. I thought that was very sweet. Um, a lot of people were asking, "What did you do last night in order for you to play that song?" So uh, I didn't do uh, I didn't do anything wrong last night. You know, she's, you know, we gonna we gonna have a baby and everything. Oh, congratulations, <laughs> congratulations, Keezy. I, I I hope I hope that baby grows up just like you. I hope so too. I hope, I hope so because I want that baby to give you everything that you probably gave your mama. Uh, love and a great kid <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. No yep. worries, no nothing. We're gonna have your mom call in the next show and confirm this. Don't I, do that. I, I need some stories, man. I'll tell you what, my eighth grade teacher, I was acting up in class. She said, I'm gonna call your mama. I said, okay, I'll dial the number for you. And she called her, and my mama let her have it. And she never did mess with me again. So you might not want to get Deborah to call up in here. Yeah, I'ma leave Miss Deborah alone. I'ma leave. Go. Yeah, I'ma before she call up in here, man. She might might just roll up on me, but like, what you say? What you say about myself? Uh-huh. But she she about five one, and you, but she you know she still scares me to this but day. But the thing about that, it don't matter how tall or short your mama is, man. That's still mama. Uh huh. And somebody's mama is still mama, so you still don't approach somebody. She else will catch mama. one of these RKOs, a Stone Cold Stunner, or something though. So she better watch herself. You heard that from your son. That ain't me talking. That's not Quentin talking. I just want to clarify. That's not Quentin <clears throat> or Jared talking. That's <clears throat> that, not me either. That, that's your son talking. But you want to speak about the meaning behind? that song real quick before uh, we get back the to song, the song real quick you know what I'm saying I, you know me and Liz started dating or whatever and I hadn't I never told her you know how I really felt about her so that, you know we was having a couple drinks you know listening to some R&B you know kicking it and the song came on and I was just thinking about it and I was looking at her and I was like woo it hit you I do love you you know I was like, <laughs> man and ever since then that's just the you know 
That's just been our little song that's, that's right sweet, there. That's sweet, man. That's really sweet, man. Man, we'll get past all that, though. Let's get back to some real stuff. Yeah, let's let's get back into this book, How Sweet It Is, with Jared Van Meter and her on Beyond the Game on WLXU 93.9. Um, another question I wanted to pose to you is, uh, with the city schools obviously having more talent, and European, why do you think the fan support is bigger in these smaller counties versus in the cities? I think it has a lot to do with uh, and the, I don't want this to sound come out the wrong way, but I think they just have less less to do. Gotcha. Uh, I, there, I think there are probably more things going on, and and I think just about everyone would agree that there's probably more uh, social opportunities or different activities to do in places like Louisville or Lexington or Cincinnati, up where Covenant Catholic is, as opposed to Clay County in the mountains. Uh, you mentioned as a kid, it's a great place to roam around, mm -hmm. and there's all sorts of woods and everything to play in. But as you get older and your imagination starts to become a little bit more grounded, uh, people start to find that there's probably less to do there than in a big city unless you're an outdoor enthusiast like a lot of the people who go to those games or uh, a lot of the kids on the team were they love hunting and fishing and everything but when it gets to be nighttime and you can't do those things anymore uh, the, the main the main show in town the big thing to do is go to the basketball game similar similarly in Campbellsville at Taylor County Glasgow uh, Glasgow yeah <laughs> all these all the small towns it's it's the uh, it's something to do at night and go see your friends play and they all have good teams so it's something that they can go and watch some good basketball uh, and it's also it's kind of to a lot of these small towns it's their calling card throughout the state so if they have a good basketball program that's really doing well beating big name schools from big cities uh, it's something that they can sort of point to as a point of uh, a large point of re relevance and so they, if they go to Lexington or Louisville they can mention their basketball team or something and say hey you know we, we beat, beat yeah, yeah we beat you guys like Taylor County beat several Louisville and Lexington schools that year as did the other two so I think it has a lot to do with that and uh, growing even at growing up as these kids you know they they go to watch the games they watched a lot of the, a lot of them had fathers who played, and then their fathers took them to the games, et cetera. So they grew up dreaming of uh, playing for the team, et cetera. And even those who don't end up making the team still want to go and support the team because that's what they've grown up doing. Okay. Now, a uh, couple more questions I want to throw at you. Here on Beyond the Game, sometimes we like to get a little deeper than just sports. And reading the book, there was a couple instances in there where I was like, hmm, that's, that's actually a, a great dynamic, which is, Throughout the book, um, is, is it safe to say that Covington Catholic, Clay County are majority all-white basketball teams? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, throughout the book, sometimes you would mention when those teams would play up against all-black schools or in Taylor County's uh, team is pretty much predominantly black. They would mm -hmm. about they were about half, half and half. half. Okay. Yeah. Explain to me, in my, in my opinion, I thought that the reason why you referenced when the all-white school would play against all-black school is to give you a different dynamic of the game itself. Um, is there a reason exactly why you wanted to point out those two references? Uh, it, you just said it. That's part of it, sort of the dynamic of a lot of times where they came from, uh, like the Lexington or Louisville schools, they would have a higher ratio of black players than some of the county schools. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, for instance, I think one of the chapters where I mentioned that is where Clay County played Louisville Ballard, yeah. who they played in the state championship a couple of years ago, and they were an almost all exclusively uh, black basketball team. And Clay County was just the opposite. 
And in that comes a kind of, with the city and country kind of comes a, uh, a different style of play, usually. Clay County, they didn't have a ton of athleticism. They had a lot of shooting. Uh, Ballard, they were a very athletic team, very quick. Um, played kind of a more slashing style that you would see in a metro area. Like mm -hmm. they, People reference New York City and city ball all the time or a city game. Uh, I mean, we don't have... New York here, obviously, but our closest equivalents are Lexington and Louisville, where kids grow up playing in the parks more. Uh, and it's more of a park game. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. So there's more slashing and getting to the getting to the rim as opposed to. For some reason, it just seems like a lot of the county kids are sh like to shoot. And uh, <laughs> like Trey Farmer, he he'll pull up from just just inside a half court. But it was more to just show kind of the difference of and also the diversity of this state as a whole. I don't want someone who's reading this from, uh, from like I said, New York City, who thinks that Kentucky is just being like a country state or mm -hmm. something. I wanted to show that kind of there, this state is very diverse culturally. And uh, even though these teams, some of them like Covenant Catholic and Clay County, like you said, are predominantly white teams. Uh, they, this state as a whole has a, has a lot of diversity as far as the cultures that we have here. Okay. So, one thing, I don't know if you heard about this or not, um, Bowling Green High School fired their uh, women's basketball coach. Uh, her name was LaVonda Johnson. She played at WKU. Um, she got fired. So <clears throat> check this out. So she had a record of 254 and 56 at Bowling Green High School. They won eight straight district championships, and they won four regional championships in 10 years. So she is actually filing a lawsuit against the school because she said that when she went into her meeting, so not this past season, but the season before that, she had mostly black assistant coaches and they got rid of all of them. Mm -hmm. So now this year they've gotten rid of her and she said in the meeting with the principal or the athletic director or whatever, he said that, you know, he wanted more white players on the team and more white assistant coaches and stuff like that. Hmm. So... That's a little weird situation, you know, since because yeah. Bowling Green, you know, there's no real city in Kentucky that's mostly black or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But Bowling Green does have a lot of black players and stuff like that. So it's kind of it's kind of a weird dynamic, you know, when you say, you know, these, you know, mostly white teams and they're going to play against the, the kind of teams that are kind of mixed in there, or mostly black teams and stuff like that. It's weird to have a black head coach and for her to be so successful and then for somebody to come and say, no, we don't want it to, you know get too black around here you know we want to kind of tone it down a little bit um that's that's real interesting that's a lot of yeah. that's a lot of controversy right there you know so that's real interesting and we we have to get into that but we, we have to get into that um another strong point of why i love the book so much is because i kept seeing a certain name pop up throughout this book which was quentin or q and seeing as how my name is quentin <laughs> or q <clears throat> I was like, man, I, I like reading this book, man, just because I like seeing my name <laughs> pop up throughout. The, even though I know you ain't talking about me, right. I'm like, man, I like reading this book because I like seeing my name you pop hear up. Y'all yeah, hear how selfish he is? He <laughs> want to see his name in lights. <laughs> man, we should look, just call this the Beyond the Quentin Show. <laughs> man, look, I was proud. I was proud of you, Jerry, man. I was like, man, this is a darn good book. It got Quentin all Quentin. through her. And hey, he's even on the cover. See what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> see what I'm saying? But uh, speaking of Quentin Gooden, he was in the running for Mr. Basketball, right? Right. Um, 
Explain to me his personality and his demeanor throughout the season. Did he let it get to him? Did he get too big-headed, or was he just even keel about it all? No, very humble. He's a very humble kid, and a lot of that has to do with uh, the coaching staff, as I mentioned. They kind of helped keep him grounded. Uh, his father was on the coaching staff, Coach, uh, Coach Gooden. Mm -hmm. uh, he... You know, Coach Gooden, they, the whole family, they all wanted him to win Mr. Basketball just because that's a great accomplishment, and he's worked very hard for it. But that wasn't their first goal. Their first goal was the team success, getting him to Rupp Arena, uh, getting getting back to um, uh, back to back trips to Rupp, and he's. He, but so he, it, it was. I, I was there at the banquet when they announced the winner, and yeah. everyone thought he was going to win. Uh, we were all kind of operating under that. Uh, assumption but when he when they announced Carson Williams name uh, you could tell he was disappointed he was disappointed for a few hours after that just because it was something he it, it was a goal he had set um, but then they still had the Sweet 16 to play so he brushed it off pretty quickly went we went to practice at Lexington Christian Academy because everyone was already in town for the uh, for the tournament so we went to practice and but then a couple minutes of getting some shots up and playing with his friends again he was back to back to normal with the goal of just winning basketball games so he's a real laid-back kid he's from Campbellsville he talks about how he sort of has the personality of Campbellsville uh, just kind of a real laid-back kid um, grew up there and like I said he had opportunities to go to one of those prep schools uh, and get quote-unquote more exposure but he he wanted to stay loyal to the people there mm -hmm. he wanted to stay loyal to his school he already knew where he wanted to go to college and Xavier and going to prep school wasn't going to change that so he wanted he he just wanted to uh you know stay there and try to take his program and his town back to back to Rupp and to New Heights and back in the first ever back-to-back -back appearances okay yeah that's that's usually how his cues are we're pretty much laid yeah. back type of guys pretty cool calm. just real cool yeah. guys yeah, yeah you know not much too much rattles us we don't get too high we don't get too low and even when we do we won't let you know about it um we're gonna I'm gonna ask you a couple questions before we get you out of here mm -hmm. um at any point in time during the season did you think to yourself I don't think this team is gonna make it <laughs> oh yeah uh so the first instance of that was, well, Taylor County was preseason number one, unanimous. Courier Journal, Herald Leader, everyone had them number one. They had the best player in, in Q. Uh, they had David Sloan. They had Dylan Gaines, et cetera. But they started 7-7, seven and seven, and they were losing to teams badly. Uh, Covington Catholic beat them by 46 points. Uh, mm. That's incredible. I mean, that was the, that was the scores that we used at, when I was at Sayre that Scott County <laughs> and Brian Station would beat us by, and Covington Catholic beat them by 46 points, and it, it, I was just floored after that. That was sort of rock bottom. They started seven and seven, and then they slowly started to get it together, get their chemistry down over the course of the year, and towards the end of the season, I think it was the second to last game, they beat. Number two, Paul Lawrence Dunbar, who went on to win the state championship. And that was sort of the, the resurrection. That was when I knew, or everyone knew that they were back to where everyone expected them to be. They had hit a lot of bumps along the way. But there were times where they fell out of the top 25 completely. They were, uh, they, as I said, they started 7-7. Seven and seven. They looked really rough for a while. And they were, they were either having close games or getting beat by teams that they were way better than. They just hadn't figured it all out yet as far as the chemistry. Covington Catholic, they started pretty slow too. I think they started two and two or something like that. Um, but they had three new sophomore starters 
uh, and they were all all three had never started before and they were figuring it out. CJ Frederick, who as I mentioned, uh, is now committed to Iowa. Uh, Aiden Rusatz, who's co uh, Coach Rusatz's son, and then AJ Mayer, who's actually committed to play quarterback at Miami of Ohio. They were all three sophomores, and as soon as they figured it out, it didn't take long because Coach Rusatz kind of his style of coaching is he he makes them figure it out quick mm -hmm. and then once they do they're off and running and with it before long they were number one in the state Cubcath, and you had no worries about them clay county they started i think 11 and one fast start uh then they had some team chemistry issues uh their starting center quit halfway through the season due to team chemistry issues and but the <laughs> kind of the the story that I tell that of the that was the most nerve-wracking because I really needed at least one of these teams to make it to Rupp that was sort of the so I could go to Rupp and write about Rupp etc um, but I remember the night that Monday night Covington Catholic and Clay County were playing in their regional championship games and so if they won they went to Rupp if they lost they went home and Taylor County was playing in their regional semifinal game. And I could only go to one game. They were all three playing. It was win or go home. And I went to Clay County's game. They just got run out of the gym by South Laurel, mm -hmm. uh, and who was a really good team that year. And I said, oh, boy. So I was texting with people at the other two games, kind of fretting, because this could be the end of my season. I'm, not, I'm only at one of the three games. Um, and it's, and I say my season because, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just – but um, – and so I got a text from the Covington Catholic team manager, and he was keeping me updated, and then CovCath lost. Mm. So all of a sudden, two of my three teams, their season's over, and no one in, in Rupp yet. So I got a text from this guy named Kyle Scott, who actually, he made a really good documentary about Taylor County, a film documentary that's worth checking out, called We Are Taylor County. But I was texting him, and he they were playing North Harden, who's a very good team. They had Tony Jackson who uh, I think is headed to Coastal Carolina. Um, and they were tied with going into the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, Kyle stopped responding to my texts. And I said, oh, hmm. oh gosh. Um, and But finally, he texted. He had not been responding because he was filming all the celebration because they had run away and won. Uh, so thankfully, they won that semifinal game. The next night, they won the regional championship against Bardstown, and the rest is history. They went to Rupp. So, uh, there, yeah, it was it was very nerve wracking <laughs> at times. Uh, one quick question before I get you up out of here, and it's just simple: yes or no. You ain't got to give names. You got it. Was seeing how you were with the players, and you're pretty sure you bonded with them. Was there at any point in time where you got emotional during senior night? Yes or no. No. No? Okay. Uh, I, I mean, it was – because senior night is uh, – it's not the very end of the season. I mean, uh, and I also – I mean, I, I like these kids. I'm going to keep tabs on them for, for the rest of their basketball careers. But uh, I, was, I was there to document for a season, and um, it was – they still had – all three of those teams were good. It was, like, Sayre, uh, our senior night was usually the last game because we, we would – not be going very far, but uh, with these teams, you knew that there was a lot more season left to be played. It was hard not to get emotional, though, I will say, uh, at Rupp Arena when Taylor County lost in the Elite Eight and when Clay County lost in the regional final in that locker room because I was there. I saw the emotion. You could feel it. 
So those were the ones that was hard not to get emotional. But senior night, that's just fun and a celebration. All right. Well, Jared, we thank you and appreciate you for stopping by. How Sweet It Is by Jared Van Meter. Um, you can find us on KY Beyond the Game on Facebook as well as Instagram. Please be sure to go on there, check us out, and hit us up. Thank you very much, Jared, for stopping by. Everybody, you have a blessed and good weekend this weekend. And remember, treat somebody else how you want somebody to treat your mom. Peace. We out of here. Peace.